Dynasty Kings, football by the numbers. Ain't nothing prehistoric about it. It's the fantasy land before time, man. Yeah, did. And we talking about them analytics. Yeah, I dig it. You know them digits, we fit it inside of cells. But thinking outside of the box when we did it, outside prevails. We got eight inside of the box, but we finished plenty to tell. So go ahead and plug in a pot and just listen. It's the dynasty. Velociraptors, it takes okay. dilapidated no way. Man, it's a rap, no debate. Hey. Breaking it down with a dynasty. Yeah. Often reside with a pylons yeah. beam. Often we talking about dynasty. Yeah. Rocking with me at the times you'll see. Yeah. Out of the pocket online on me. Too much subjective is not for me. It's not for me. I'm rocking with the dynasty. Yeah. Dynasty. Locking the lineup and I don't need. Filming the fables cause finally I got all the facts. No anomaly. Yeah. Let's get it. Y'all reach his T-Rex at best. And I don't mean to go flex. I'm a dinosaurus to death. Yeah. Look, if you dino, you know. Welcome to the Dynasty Kings Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and Mike, let's ride. All right, welcome back to an episode of Dynasty Kings. I'm your host, Mike Valerie. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Dirty Mike. You can also find my work uh, at campuscan.com. Uh, today's topics are going to be transfer portal and mock draft trends. Now, transfer portal, I'm really just kind of touching on, not really going into too much detail here, um, but uh, it's kind of important, and I'm going to get into that. It, it, it brings new life to players and stuff like that, and now a lot of the analytical stuff where it's like, yo, or a breakout age, and then early declare, all that stuff, production model, that's still like that still applies to people who have transferred, and we'll get into that a little bit here, um, and then mock draft trends too. Just kind of, I, I tweeted out a big thread, it, it kind of caught fire on Twitter, but I really want to emphasize and highlight how these players have trended from like week one of of uh, college football to where they're going to go, like where they're going now after the college regular season is over. So kind of like how the VAR value has changed. So now let's uh, let's let's dive in. So talking about the transfer portal here first, uh, just to highlight the past, right? So let's just highlight this last year. So last year our top running back transfers were Eric Gray. Kind of a bust. I mean, he's a bust. He's a bust. I'm calling him a bust. Uh, Demarcus Bowman. Yeah, I don't know who that guy is. Um, and then you got Ty Chandler, who I think I think he he literally elevated his draft capital this past year, which is a good example of, of how of how um, transfer portal has like revived his career. Because before that, he played for Tennessee. I believe he played behind he played behind Eric Gray, and I didn't really know who he was as a prospect until he started playing for UNC. And obviously, UNC's kind of uh, you know, in the view of the, the news because of uh, Sam Howell. Um, now we had Javante and Michael Carter come out of that school last year. Anyway, Ty Chandler uh, and Zach Charbonneau. Zach Charbonneau, whose career was dead in Michigan, transferred to UCLA. And now he's like, I think he's a consensus top five, top six. So, and he's like constantly getting mock draft in the third round, which we'll talk about here pretty soon. Now for wide receivers, um, we have... Top wide receiver transfer is Wandale Robinson, who is now consistently getting second-round draft capital buzz. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, a BYU player, not really getting draft capital buzz. And then you got Jameson Williams, Ohio State to Alabama. And he is, he's like getting almost first-round buzz now. He's first-round, upper-second-round buzz. I, I don't think he falls out of the top 40. I think he's going to be in the 30 area. Like, he'll get like, Back in one, so I'm talking about like 26 to 28. Like I think 26 got to be his peak, but 
but I don't think he like, I truly don't think he falls past like pick 35. And he, he's a growing favorite for my prospect. Now I've not like dove in yet and I've not written a profile for him. I'm really looking forward to it though. Uh, but he's an early declared, both him and Wando still fall in the early declared profiles. They're obviously went off breakout age, whatever. Like they, they hit analytical marks and it doesn't matter. They didn't hit on their first school, which for Wandale was Nebraska. He was a running back who turned wide receiver. And then for Jamison Williams, who was in the very crowded Ohio State receiving room, wasn't going to get his opportunity. So he said, all right, I'll go to Alabama. And he took the starting role from John Mechie and just absolutely just took off. And he's he's just, oh, he's a phenomenal talent. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about him at the next level. I think it'll translate very well. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. So like that's why the transfer portal is important. So and just to highlight, I want to highlight some guys coming out next year. Now, I don't think this next group of trans like the top end. I'm just looking at the top guys. These top guys from the transfer portal are are as as good as last year's grouping. But I'm just gonna go through them here. So for quarterback, yeah, Quinn Ewers from Ohio, five star prospect. He finished up his high school early. Obviously, CJ Stroud's the quarterback there for the future. But Quinn Ewers, like he. It's not that he didn't get the job because he's bad. He's just new kid on the block. Like I'm, I'm very excited to see where he goes next year. And I mean, wherever he goes, he's gonna be. He's gonna start. And he's supposed. To, I think. I think he's projected the 2024 101 overall. Which again, super early to do that mock draft stuff, but it just goes to show the expected talent that he's supposed to bring to a program. Spencer Rattler, huge disappointment in Oklahoma. Now I'm gonna. He's played three seasons. I mean, early declare stuff doesn't really matter for quarterbacks, but. I, I'm going to highlight and echo something that um, Felix did for Campus of Canton. Uh, Spencer Rattler was like the 101 overall pick this season, and now he's not even being mock draft. Like he's not being mock draft at all. He can't be he's in the transfer portal, so he's not he's not eligible to declare. But even before that, like he wasn't getting mock draft at all to anywhere. And for him to transfer going from a first-round draft capital somewhere else, there's not a single example of where a player has gotten back that first-round draft capital. So. Spencer Rattler is dead to me. Let me just put it like that. Like he's done. I'm not. I'm not clued in on Spencer Rattler. Like that's it. Uh, Dylan Gabriel from UCF. He got hurt this year. Um, and he he's got he moved on. So like that's really it. So it, it's not like he's a bad talent. He, he's really putting up solid numbers to start off the season. Um, and transferred out. So he's definitely someone to watch. Jay Kaner. Jay Kaner, that old man. He's got four years in college. The past four star recruit. Uh, last three guys were all four star recruits. Quinn Ewers is a five star recruit. Um, and, uh, he didn't play in 2019. So he's, he's been in for some time. He's been in for five seasons. Like he's been around since 2017. I think he's been around since before Donald Trump was president. Like, come on, like he's old. Like that's, that's an old man in college football. Um, Miles Brennan from LSU. He's even older, but anyway, I'm putting him out there cause he's a high end prospect. Um, and then Adrian Martinez from Nebraska. He's a dual threat guy. I, I don't really see the NFL upside. But again, he's just one of those high-end um, transfer portal guys that can really change a program around. I'm going to move on to running back here because this is really what I'll talk about is the running backs and wide receivers here. The two running backs in this transfer portal are Zach Evans and Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is probably the second running back off the draft board next year behind B. John Robinson. He is really good. I mean, he is an excellent talent. Went to Georgia Tech. That's a horrible line. The coach, the play calling there is pretty, pretty bland. And um, he's kind of tired. He wants to go to a big school. And now he's getting rumored, just rumored. We don't know yet. He's getting rumored to go into Alabama, which like, I mean, my, my mind's exploding right now. Like him and Bryce Young and 
maybe John Mechie comes back, whatever, whatever. They always have guys in the shoe to step up. So if they if Alabama gets Jameer Gibbs next year, like they're winning, they're winning the national championship. I mean, they they already had good odds to begin with, but I'm saying like it's it's guaranteed then. And um very excited about that. Now the other one is Zach Evans, TCU. He's a past five star recruit. Both these guys, by the way, have two years in college, so they're not they're not old prospects. Like they're still they're still young and in their prime. Um, he's got some off the field issues. Uh, I couldn't tell you the complete details for it, but all I know is that there might be some maturity issues, and and uh, that's kind of a red flag going into the draft. I'm not. He can turn it around. It could just be a toxic environment, and just a fresh start might be what he needs to get his mind straight and get him focused. But he is also a top prospect here. Um, the next running backs here, I got two others. I got Tyon Evans from Tennessee. He's a JUCO transfer, went to Tennessee, and didn't really get a lot of touches. I think he's got like 80-some touches. Again, a prospect I don't really know. Somebody to keep an eye on, though, because he's one of these top transfer recruits as running back. Um, but I actually I love looking into JUCO recruits, so I will be looking into him later on the season. Um, and then Jalen Berger, uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin's an absolute running back factory. Um, Jonathan Taylor, for example, Melvin Gordon, James White. Um, Braylon Allen is is the new hotness over there. Uh, Braylon Allen is just absolutely taken off. I think he's top two running backs right now for 2024. And clearly, there's no room for Jalen Berger there. Now, there was a real fan following for Jalen Berger. People really like Jalen Berger. Um, so, I mean, I my eyes are on him. I mean, because Wisconsin... I don't know. I like that Wisconsin pedigree. Yeah, sure. He lost his shot to Braylon Allen, but Braylon Allen to me is like almost a first round prospect for 2024 at the moment. I mean, at the moment, again, way too early, but he, he is, he is a top two running back for 2024. And I can't really fault a guy for losing a battle to a, to a phenomenal running back talent like that, you know? So those are the four guys I'm paying attention to. And I'm looking for them to revive their careers. Like they're, they're not washed. They're not done yet. They're still young and they're still there. Um, and that that's those are the gems to me in this transfer portal are the running back class. Now let's get into the wide receivers here real quick. Only gonna highlight four here. We got uh Jaden Hazelwood. He used to be a five-star recruit, um, plays for Oklahoma. I couldn't tell you anything he did this year. I really hated watching Oklahoma football. Marvin Mims is my guy, Mario Williams is Felix's guy um over there. So I think he was maybe the third option at best. I looked into him. He's a contested catch. I'm not really into contested catch receivers. I don't think he really excels at it either. He's also outside of that early declare prospect. So to me, he's not a first round draft pick. He won't ever be. You know, he's not going to be Jamison Williams. Uh, he won't be to me a second round pick, but he could maybe get third round draft capital if he really takes off. But like me and most of the guys at campus again, we are not fans of contested catch guys. Like at the NFL, I mean, at the college level, at the NFL level, it's it's a whole other animal. Like you have to be like Drake London, just absolutely destroying competition to for us to feel confident in you as a contested catch receiver at the next level. Um, the next one is Tajay Harris or Taj Harris. He's got four seasons, so again, not an early declare. Um, and he hasn't really shown much production. He's been around for a while. I don't think he has much NFL upside. He's going to Kentucky, so we actually know where he's going. He's committed to Kentucky who's an emerging offense. I went to Kentucky. So <laughs> anyway, Will Levis needs to get it together against against upper ranking SEC competition. Um, I just had a trade go through in my league. I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, Wando Robinson transferred and, and he took over. I, I think Josh on Lee has to leave this program this year. Wando should leave 
I guess draft capital's up there. He should leave for himself. And the door's wide open there for them to take over. They have two recruits that are four stars or one three-star wide receivers. So, again, like I'm saying, Will Levis has the arm strength, has to work on some other things, but the door is open for someone to step up, and I think he can be a college producer. Uh, Micah Pittman for Oregon. Um, highlighting him because he's Michael Pittman's brother. Brother, maybe cousin. I think it's a brother. And I'm, I'm a big Michael Pittman fan. So, oh, before I, I should have said this at the start. If you're, if you're listening to this and you want to leave a comment for me to like respond with, I, I think comments only go through on StreamYard through YouTube. So if you want to comment or ask me questions on anything, which I will absolutely answer any questions on the spot, you have to go through YouTube to do that, not through Twitter. So just for anybody wondering, my hundreds of thousands of followers, of course. So yeah. All right. Let me get back to Michael Pittman. Uh, he's an Oregon player. I don't really see the NFL upside either, but I, I think the family pedigree is there. You know, I, I really do kind of believe in genetics there. Uh, he's got three years in college. So he's missing that early declare window. He used to be a four-star recruit. So maybe it's there. And then the last one and my growing favorite and the whole reason why I wanted to bring this up <laughs> is Tyrese Chambers. I'm a huge fan of Tyrese Chambers. Tyrese Chambers plays for FIU. That, that team is one in 11. He's a thousand yard receiver. There are 30 thousand yard receivers this year in college. And this guy did it on a G5 team that is one in 11. He had three games over 150 yards. And I, I like the talent. Um, and oh, I can't remember who said it. Oh, I'm, I'm going to credit Alfred with this at campus to can for G5 recruits where like, he's only on board. If these guys are studs, like throughout their whole career. Like, you know, not just, oh, I broke out one year or two years. It's like, no, like for three years, he absolutely dominated competition. Now, so he started out Juco, transferred to Sacred Heart University. Um, and he took over there, too. He was the top receiver there. And he lit up the scene as a sophomore. Now, as a junior, he transferred again. And this time, he transferred to FIU. He chose FIU over Coastal Carolina. I don't know who does that. I would much rather have Grayson McCall throwing me the ball, uh, an actual ranked like college team. Than, than whatever FIU's got going on. So he chose FIU, whatever. Anyway, I think he looks great. I think he shows great hands. He's got some route running ability, some physicality. He's great in contested catches too. He doesn't do any body catches. I, I, I really think he's, a, I think he's a legit prospect. And now if you transfer to the power five and he again continues these numbers, uh, let's just say he's a thousand yard receiver. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna believe in him. I'm gonna believe that he could probably get day two draft capital, like back end day two draft capital. I'm like putting my stamp on it. Uh, currently, his offers are like Nebraska and Syracuse. Doesn't really excite me, but and I don't know if I, if I'm expecting too much out of him going from FIU. Like like he's not gonna go to Alabama from FIU. Like that's not happening. So anyway, Tyree Chambers to me is the wide receiver gem in this class, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him play this upcoming season. Now, that wraps up my transfer portal to you. So just, again, to go over it, transfer portal gives life to players' careers that are kind of like stalled, like Zach Sarbano, uh, Jamison Williams, Wondell Robinson. Um, there's another running back. I'm forgetting. Uh, Ty Chandler. Not getting day two draft capital, but I don't know. He's probably a UDFA last year. Now this year, he's getting like day three draft capital. Like I, I think he I think he does. I think he could be like early down back. Anyway. I, I think the uh, I think the transfer portals is a chance for these guys to bounce back, these upper end guys to bounce back. So there you have it. That's transfer portals. Now let's get into mock draft trends. 
And why I want to highlight this is that there's this great site. It's called uh, NFLMockDraftDatabase.com. Now you can go in there and do your own mock drafts. Like if you're a if you're a Giants fan and you're tired of Daniel Jones throwing terrible balls, then you can mock draft yourself a quarterback and mock draft your second, your third, your fourth, your fifth round, your sixth round. See how it looks. Make you feel a little better about your team's future. But what I do like about this is that I can see all of the big companies like the Draft Network, um, Tankathon, Feature Report, Sports Illustrated. Um, I can see their mock drafts. You know, I as much as I think I'm right and I'm better than other people, you know, I like my rankings more than other people. Th this is what the consensus is saying. And I looked at like their prior year. So I looked at like their last year consensus big board. And like for the top 50, they nailed it. Like, yeah, give or take like one or two spots. But like for the top 50, like those guys all went like top 50. Maybe maybe one or two dropped out. After that, when you get down to like round two, round three, there were some misses for wide receiver. Like Amon Ra St. Brown, for example. I'm a big fan of Amon Ra. He was projected 62 overall on their consensus big board, and he went like one, one I think like 108, 109, which is a really big drop off. Puts him out of that third round range, which is like not the sweet spot. So a little depressing, but you get my point. Is that this website's actually kind of accurate when it gets everyone's mock drafts together? So now what I did was I took the consensus data from week one. So you know it doesn't matter about mock drafts before after that or sorry before that because it's the off season nobody has any new information and new data to really go off of like the spring game sure but like after that like that's really it besides like some insider info like oh the i'm friends with the personal trainer at university of kentucky so i i know that wando is the truth you know but like that's not going to really affect it that much so i looked at their consensus data week one and then i compared it these last two weeks when the regular season ended. So yeah, we sure we had the conference championships this past weekend, but for most, most players, their season ended two weeks ago. And I compared where their mock drafts were those last two weeks, not, not, not week, not like middle of the season, not, not October, not November, but I'm talking about like two, the last two weeks I looked at those mock drafts and just compiled the, the average, their draft position was from these big companies last two weeks after the season was over. And, and that, I thought it was pretty interesting because I wanted to see trends. I really did. Um, and it was it was insightful. It was really insightful. So let me get my notes up here. Okay. We'll just start off with quarterbacks here. So from week one, the top quarter. So the top quarterback now is Matt Corral. I think everyone agrees on that. Um, I know the mock graphs agree. I agree. I think Matt Corral is the best prospect coming out. His, his rank week one was 44th overall. So he was a mid-second. Well, yeah, mid-second. And now and now he's the eighth overall pick. Pretty consistently. It's, he's pretty consistently going eight overall. And I think that makes sense. Like, that's sure. That's great. Okay, so, like, moving on. The the next uh, quarterbacks going, there's – okay, let me, I'll just go in order. It's Malik Willis at 13, Devin Ritter at 14, Kenny Pickett at 15, Carson Strong at 15, and Sam Howell at 16. Now, the reason why we have repeat numbers is that these are averages. Now, looking at these individual mock drafts, like actually going through them, it's pretty consistent that there's four-ish, pretty much four quarterbacks going in the first round, and then it's like, and then two falling into the second round, and it's always a different two. Like it's always it's it's always a mix with all these companies, so it's really a big, um, like a big mystery, and I really enjoy that. So, no, not all six of these guys are going in the first round, and I don't believe that either. I don't think anybody believes that, but I I do think four of them go in the go in the first round. Like at the moment, I really do. So, and of those four, let me just say, 
You got Malik Willis, who's trending up from 27 to 13 overall. Desmond Ritter, who's going from 36 to 14 overall. I don't really agree with that. Kenny Pickett, who's going from 109 overall to 15. I agree with that. Carson Strong, 29 to 15. I think Carson Strong should stay in that 29 area. But And then Sam Howell, who's the only quarterback on this list who is trending down. He was number five overall in their consensus picks, and he's down to 16. Um. And and more consistently, I'm seeing him go like back of the first. He he doesn't he's not always a first round talent when I see these mock drafts. Uh, so yeah, that's for quarterbacks. You got two guys slipping into the back end of the third, and that's Tanner McKee. That's the Stanford quarterback who honestly I haven't looked at like at all, like like really haven't. So I'll have to look into him. I mean, Davis Mills got draft capital last year, and I I thought he was like nothing special. And that they were just really drafting him based off his high school profile rather than what he did in college, because he was his high school profile was amazing. Um, and then you got Bailey Zapp from WKU and a Senior Bowl invite. So Bailey Zapp looking to raise his draft capital even more, and he has the opportunity to do it. But at the moment, he's looking like he's a he's a back end of the third round pick. So that's exciting. Uh, let's get into the skill positions though, like the 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 real stuff we care about for running backs, right? Our top running back right now, which shocked me, and again, this is just like consensus data, um, and it can change. I think it will change. I don't really believe this, but it's it's Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker, who who's made a run for the Heisman here. Um, he he's number forty five overall consensus data. So just take note that almost it's consistent. It's consistent that no running back is going in the first round this year. Last year you had Najee Etienne. I don't believe in Etienne, but whatever. There's two guys in the first last year. The year before, you had uh, just CEH, which was kind of wild because it was a pretty stacked class. Went 32nd overall. Excuse me for that. So we're going to keep moving forward. So after Kenneth Walker at 45, Isaiah Spiller is 46, and Breeze Hall is 51. Now, Spiller and Breeze Hall are both trending down. So Spiller went from 35 to 46, and Hall went from 49 to 51. So not much of a downtrend for Hall, but definitely a downtrend for Spiller. Um, I don't really... I like both these prospects. I don't have anything really negative to say. I'm a I'm a more of a Breeze Hall fan than a Spiller fan. My only thing about Spiller is that he splits carries with, I'm going to mess this up, but like Achin. And if Spiller was that great of a talent, I don't think he should be splitting carries in college. I mean, for a team that's ranked and trying to win national championships, like, you know, like they beat Alabama, you know, like whatever. I, I, I just don't, I think if Spiller was the truth, he wouldn't be splitting carries with Achin. Now that's just a production model like thing. That's not like his actual skill. I think he has the skill. I just, from a production model standpoint, that's a concern of mine. So, and Brees Hall, big fan of Brees Hall. That's my true love right there, Brees Hall. RB1 in the class for me. Now, I'm just going to read through the next five. They've all been trending up. So, preseason, right? Preseason, you've probably heard about how this class is is not good. This class is terrible. Like, trade away these picks. And I actually did that in one league, like, right away. Um, but not in my league, it's just one. Um, most of this class is trending up. Those are the two, those are the only two players trending down for running back, right? And the only one trending down for quarterback was Sam Howell. Now trending up for running backs is Tyler Algier, my guy. He's a my guy from BYU. Kyron Williams, Brian Robinson from Alabama, Kyron from Notre Dame, Zach Charbonneau, and Rashad White. 
Now, let's start off with Tyler Algier. So he's fourth at 57 overall. Now, here's the thing. I, I There wasn't enough data points there. He was only in like two mock drafts. And now I'm assuming, well, I, I know, I actually looked, I went back and looked. Um, he wasn't in those other mock drafts. A lot of these mock drafts are just like the first three rounds. I mean, it's all I look at as first three rounds, but a lot of these mock drafts are the first three rounds. So if you can assume that if he's not in these first three rounds and some of these mock drafts didn't go all the way to like round seven, then they just left his name off. And, and that kind of skews the data a little bit. So again, take Tyler Algier with a grain of salt, but definitely highlight, and this is also true for Rashad White, by the way, they're both don't have enough data points, but just it's just trying to highlight that they're slipping into the third round. That's why I want to highlight they're slipping into people's mock drafts and third rounds. Um, and then as the season, all season goes along, I end the combine too. I hope that both those names be brought up more and get raised, get elevated more. Um, all right. So, and then Kyron Williams went from 90 to 65. So back end of, no, just outside the second round. So top of the third. Brian Robinson, who I want to talk about. Now, Kyron Williams. I'm going to talk about Kyron Williams real quick, actually. I don't think he's a workhorse running back, but I think he has a lot of elite traits that like teams are going to love. I think he makes a lot of sense for the Patriots. He's not going to be a goal line carry guy, but he can pass block. He can catch balls. He's, he is the ultimate third down running back in a committee. And I, if you're into that for fantasy, go ahead. Not for me. I want a workhorse. But I, I think he's going to be productive and he's going to have a place in the league. And I think he's a phenomenal NFL talent too. Like he's going to fit in. He's going to fit in really well into a committee. Uh, Brian Robinson, he he's old. <laughs> he's an Alabama running back. This is his first year as the workhorse for the Alabama. And it's, he's a fifth-year senior. He's, he's a great character. He's a great vet. Um, but I don't think he's a great player. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's past his prime. I don't I don't think he has the NFL upside. And the fact that he's a fifth year senior running back coming out of Alabama, I like I, I don't see how he gets day two draft capital. Like I really don't think it's gonna happen. He's too old. And if you're gonna be an old prospect, you have you have to be killing it. Like like Calvin Calvin Ridley, he's an older prospect when he came out. He killed it. You know, Devontae, well, no, Adonis wasn't really, he wasn't a fifth year senior. But anyway, my point is that these older prospects have to actually dominate competition. And Brian Robinson did not do that. He was good, but like he didn't dominate competition. Uh, Zach Charbonneau, who we talked about in the transfer portal because he revived his career. Remember that. Take notes. Um, he looks great. He, uh, he's, he's my favorite power back in the group. Now, what I mean by power back, I, I'm probably going to do an episode on this. Is that those guys are like early down backs? Like they're not, they don't give you a lot in the pass catching. They don't give you like a lot of wiggle. Like maybe they're like a one cut runner, but they can absolutely push a pile. Um, I like Zach Charbonneau. He looks pretty fast. He looks big. Um, he has vision too. I, I've seen him instead of just opting to push the pile, he'll look to kick it out wide and get those extra yards around the edge. And and that's why I, I like Zach Charbonneau. And I think he will get the draft capital. I'm not really sure if I believe in him as an NFL talent. But out of these, this like the power back category, I think he's probably my favorite. Um, not a workhorse though. I think he's an early down back, like first second down. And then uh, Rashad White, who I didn't get to talk about. I have small amount of data points for him. Rashad White invited to the Senior Bowl has the opportunity to raise his draft capital even more than it already is. Um, and I think he's the best pass catching back. He's pretty fluid. Um, he gained 15 pounds this all season because he was pretty slender. Really great contact balance for how tall he is too, because he's six foot one. But I, I believe that I believe that his frame can support even more weight. Like I really do think he can be like Najee Harris and operate at 230 pounds and be just fine. 
um, in, without losing speed or agility. The, the issue, again, is that he's older. Now, again, for me, these older prospects have to dominate competition. Now, Rashad White, I wouldn't say he dominated, but like, he definitely did better than Brian Robinson, in my opinion, um, with like lesser talent surrounding him. So I'm interested. He won't be a first-round talent in your rookie drafts, that's for sure. Um, I'd be interested to see where he goes, where he lands, but he is an older prospect. A Juco transfer, too, so he definitely grinded pretty hard to get here. And uh, yeah, I just love his story. I can go on about Rashad White, but let's move on. Um, we're going to talk about wide receivers here. Um, now, again, to highlight the uh, start of the season story about how this class was weaker, there's only two guys here in the top 50. Top 50. Ah, okay. Anyway, um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six guys have raised their draft capital into the top 50. Six of them have have raised their draft capital up there, and two or three fell off. So let's just get into it. All right, uh, the the top receiving uh, option here, which you guys all could have guessed, is Garrett Wilson of OSU. He was 18 overall preseason, and now he is 11. So he's getting that early first round draft capital. And there's always one receiver that goes like top 15. I think each year I'm trying to think about. Last year, you have Waddle, you had Devonta Smith, you had Jamar Chase. There's three guys right there. Um, I don't think I'm missing anybody. And then the year before that, you had Rooks was the first one off the board. And I believe Judy and CD. I want to say they were 15-6, and they could have been 16-17. Anyway, Rooks went, I think, 15 overall. So, anyway, moving forward from Brand Knight, from Garrett Wilson. Now, someone that's lost over Draco just a little bit. It's Chris Olave. He went from 13 overall to 15. So Garrett Wilson flipped over and took over the top wide receiver position. And just like for some food for thought here with Garrett, with Chris Olave, he didn't go to the NFL last year to be an early declare. Like that's a huge red flag. You know, if, if you're in a power five conference and scouts tell you to, hey, you should stick around for a year instead of move on to the next level when you're already a part of a lead team, you're already a proven talent. Like, so I thought he was great last year. Uh, it's a red flag for me. Um, and and I, I don't see any proven on the field. Like, he wasn't bad by any chance at all this year. I, I'm just saying that I, I don't see the reason why he stayed. I just don't see it. And then like the press conference, he's like telling people he wanted to bulk up. I don't think he bulked up one bit. I'd be surprised he weighs two more pounds than he did last year. I'd be very surprised. And then if you look at just the box score sheet, again, just the production profile, not the talent profile, he's the third receiving option on that team. The third. He has he has a freshman and a sophomore. A freshman and a junior ahead of him. Freshman? Anyway. Sophomore? Okay. Anyway, JSN. JSN's above him, and same with Garrett Wilson. They're both younger prospects, and they're both above him on the board. It, it's just a red flag for me. I'm not really about it. I'm sure other people, I think, I'm actually, I'm sure every single draft, people will draft him ahead of me. He's still a first round talent. I'm just not taking him in the top half of the first round at the moment. Now, Drake London's the next one. Drake London, um, I'm going to speak for myself, some for the CDC guys too. I did not like Drake London coming out. Um, last year, he took 95%, 92% of snaps out of the slot, and he's six foot five. Like, why, why is a six foot five guy taking snaps out of the slot? Like, put him out out wide. Like, why not? He can't beat press. He can't jump. Like, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with him? And then when you watch the plays, um, it's a lot of like three wide receiver sets and like the two other receivers would draw off coverage and then would leave like Drake London open for like a screen pass or something from Keaton Slovis. And he just looked, I didn't, I didn't think he looked good last year. This year though, different story. 
very opposite. He lines up out wide for most snaps, like 80%. He is dominating competition. And even though we don't like or I don't like contested catch receivers, he is killing the contested catch game. I mean, these receivers can't do anything about it. Like he's he's dominating so hard that I think he can do it again in the NFL. Like I really do. Um, anyway, he's got a broken ankle. It's not a muscle thing, so like that's really not a big deal. He'll probably come out, and he went from 43 to 17. Maybe he drops like two or three spots because of that broken ankle, but that's not going to be not going to be a major factor. Uh, the next one is Jahan Dotson. I called this one. Oh nope, sorry, I skipped one. Traylon Burks, my wide receiver one for dynasty. Traylon Burks. He went from. 32 to 22. So he's already that back in the first round grade. He's not getting that mid first round grade, which I think, I think he belongs there. Um, he, I, he reminds me of AJ Brown. Um, he really does. Uh, I think someone else put out there. He reminded him of Josh Gordon, early Josh Gordon. Uh, great. Two great comps, honestly. Um, and, and yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he hasn't had great quarterbacks throw to him and, and he's still out there producing. He's going in. He's an absolute monster and, and he's fast. Like he's two, he was six, two, two thirty. Six fours. He's tall, weighs two hundred thirty pounds, and he still can burn deep, like DBs, like just straight line speed. Um, next, you got Jahan Dotson out there. Jahan Dotson, who I actually called, I called this one. I'm patting myself on the back. I'm doing it. I'm victory lapping, baby. Let's go. Jahan Dotson went from seventy one overall to thirty. Uh, so he's a back end the first round pick. He's a late. He's a late declare from Penn State. I don't know how good he'll be in the NFL. Um, he's going to get the capital. He's going to get the opportunity. I think he's going to run in the slot. I, I don't really see, like, like I don't see why I see two upside. Like, I, I just don't. Um, but he's a great play. I'm not out on him. I'm just I'm just saying he won't be in one of my first-round picks. I don't expect him to go in the first round, but I think he'll go in the second round. Now, here's the guy that I'm really starting to fall in love with, and I have not done a profile on him. I'm really excited about is Jameson Williams. Again, another transfer portal guy who was a no-name. I mean, you look him up, he's got like less than 30 catches to his name going into the season, and now he's he's just an absolute stud. I mean, he's a stud. He's a burner. He's a stud. Uh, he went from 134 overall to 34. So 100-point jump just outside the first round. I think he can go in the first round. If not, I, I really don't see him falling below 35. So I I think I think it's pretty accurate where he's at, 34. Um, he's great. Anyway, another upward trend. So just just to go over here, that's that's five out of six guys with an upward trend. I mean, Chris Olavi went down a little bit, but like whatever. Okay, so so five guys here have an upward trend. Now here's the first downtrend. It's gonna be John Mechie. Uh he's been absolutely disappointed. I'm gonna straight up say it like that. He's been disappointing. I was hoping he'd take the next step. He has not. I, I don't know what to comment on. I haven't, I haven't gone back and looked through his games. I really haven't. I haven't looked that closely. Um, I'm very excited down the offseason, grind some tape. I love grinding tape. But he went from 31 to 44. And I'm surprised that the drop wasn't more than that. Because he, he looks like a nothing special slot. You know, like Jahan Dawson looks great. You know, and John Mechie does not. So, and he just tore his ACL on this, yeah, last week. So, I imagine his draft capital falls like a rock after that. And I also imagine that he doesn't come out to the draft because his capital will drop. And then he has to prove to teams that he still got it. You know, I mean, that that's, that's the cruel, cruel way of the game, but these teams don't want to invest in early draft capital on a guy that tore an ACL. Like, they don't want to gamble the dice. GMs don't want to gamble their job on putting a high end draft capital on a guy that tore an ACL. Then like, they're not sure he's going to come back like the same.
So looking for John Mechie to fall even further. Now the next guy is David Bell, who was 62 overall, so back into the second, which I'm kind of surprised about. I was a big fan of David Bell too. And he's getting into the mid-second at 48. All right, so just again, first two-round draft. Let me, let me just see this. Oh, one more, one more. George Pickens. George Pickens also losing draft capital, 24 overall preseason. He had an off-season injury, though. You know, like, I mean, he come on. Like, he had an off-season injury, and um, he's now falling to 56 overall. So, and again, I think that's all injury concern. Everyone loves the talent of George Pickens. Now, I actually exclude him out of my rankings because – I don't know if he's coming out. Like if players don't play the whole season, I'm not gonna rank them as if they were the same player last year when they're they had two kneecaps and now he's missing a knee. You know, I I, I want to see he, that he still has it. So I'm also like the NFL where I I want them to prove that they're the same player as they were before. I don't want to be like, oh yeah, George Pickens is top three in the class. Like I don't I don't really want to do that and just bank on his knee being okay. So he's back to playing though. He played last week. Um, had a 37 yard catch. I think that was his only catch the whole game. And so I'm looking forward to, well, they're, they're in those college playoffs. So I, I really hope he comes out, has a big game, proves everybody that he still has it. But at the moment, he's still got the second round draft capital. Back in the second, um, back around the second right now. But obviously, he's got that first round upside. And I, I believe him. Everyone believes him. I don't think anyone's saying otherwise. I just want him to prove it and then make me feel better. So that's, that's it for the second round, right? So we got... In the second round, you got Jamison Williams, John Mechie, David Bell, and George Pickens. Now, two of those players used to be first-round draft capital, and now they're in the second. That's John Mechie and George Pickens. And two people elevated, that's Jamison Williams, who was like a fifth-round grade to like an early second, and David Bell, who's a mid-round second. And I think both those guys, by the way, are like can't-miss prospects. I know you got to be careful when you say that phrase, but I, I really like both those prospects a lot going into this year. And obviously, other people do too because they're trending upward. Now, here's the fun part. Um, I'm just going to go over these names really fast. You got Jalen Tolbert. He's a G5 receiver. This is going to be your first G5 receiver on the board here. Uh, Justin Ross, who losing draft capital from 46 to 82. He was an absolute stud his freshman, sophomore year. Had a almost career-ending injury, but he came back from. And now he doesn't look so good. He's a contested catch receiver. Again, in the same category. Contested catch receiver, he's not dominating his game at the college level. Am I now just assume that he's going to dominate the next level? Like, no, I don't. Um, and he's not like a route runner either. I think <laughs> some people from the NFL draft Bible think he can run routes, but like he can't. He absolutely cannot. Um, all right, next you got Khalil Shakir, the second G5 receiver at 83, by the way. So he's got a 77, 82, 83. Wando Robinson at 83. Romeo Dubs at 83. Dante Demas at 94, Zay Flowers at 93, and then you got Javon Heli, Heli, Heli at 103. Now, the reason why, if you're doing math in your head and you're like, 103 doesn't count, the third round last year ended at the 105th pick because you have these supplementary picks, I almost said draft, the supplementary picks that, that go into the third round from like teams losing very valuable vets and signing with a new team. So that's why, that's why I stopped at 105. Um, I need some water on. So I'm gonna do these episodes by myself, man. My mouth getting dry out here. We're almost at 40 minutes. <laughs> All right. Um, which I definitely I'm gonna get water next time. I'm absolutely getting water next time. Where's my notes? I lost them again. Okay, so Jalen Tolbert, I like him. He's a he's a 
potential alpha at the next level. He weighs 200 pounds. He's six foot three. Um, he also has a senior bowl invite. So he has, he has the opportunity to raise that draft capital again, um, which I would love. Yeah, I really love. Um, Justin Ross, he's, he's off my board. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked if he gets third round draft capital. Like, I just don't believe it. Like He has done nothing to prove that he belongs with these other guys in the second and third round. And if he goes in the third round, I am absolutely letting every other league may draft him. I'm not touching him. Like, I, I won't. I absolutely won't. Like, there's no way. It, he could go He could go to the perfect destination. I, I won't touch him. I really don't believe in him at all whatsoever. Uh, you got Khalil Shakir. Now, he's also a my guy here. I, I was a big fan of him last year. Him and Jahan Dotson, I thought we were going to raise our draft capital the most. He was 155. What is that? Like a sixth to seventh round grade. And now he's a back end of the third. And again, it's a G5 prospect. Now, um, what, again, crediting Alfred here at Campus Scan said is that he needs these guys. Actually, I really want to say it was PJ. If someone from Campus Scan is listening to this and I got the wrong person down, I'm so sorry. I'm going to just say PJ for now on so I can split the credit between two guys. These guys have to dominate every single year, right? Like that's that's how they feel good about it, and and like I, I agree too. So if I go back to like Cooper Cup, for example, he dominated con- competition every single year. Deontay Johnson, he was great for two years, not so much his freshman year, but like you know whatever. And then um, Devontae Adams, he dominated con- his con- competition every single year, like he stomped it. And same with Khalil Shakir here. The last three years, he has been dominant. He's been great on the field. So, and Jalen Tolbert the last two years. So, these two guys are seniors, not early declares. I get it, but they're coming from the G5, and G5 receivers don't have eyes on them the way Power 5 receivers do. So, it does take a little more attention for them to get that buzz. I'm just saying, I know analytics is going to say early declares is the way to go, but for these G5 guys, like that's the exception in my head, is if they've been dominant for, for their years of playing over there. So, Khalil Shakir, 155 to 83. I think he's really smooth. Like honestly, when I watch Khalil Shakir and like Chris Olave as a player, I, I don't think there's much difference in skill. I, I really don't. I think they're very similar in skill and style of play. I think Khalil Shakir is very similar to Rashad Bateman in style of play. Um, it just comes from a G5 school. So that's my two bits on Khalil Shakir. I think I'm give I give him like a mid-second round grade for your rookie drafts. Like that's where he is right now for me. Uh Wandale Robinson again. Um Came to Kentucky, he's he's definitely got a really great dominant rating. He's he kills the stat sheets. I just don't know about his NFL upside. I really don't. Um, that's all I gotta say about that. I got I gotta dig in. I really do. Uh, I watch. I've actually watched all the Kentucky games. I'm from Kentucky. Like I, I as a like that's where I went to school. Um, but I I I'm really cautious about his NFL upside. But he hits every single analytical marker. Like he does. He really does. He hits every single analytical marker. It's just that these guys that are small, I, I need to see like elite traits out. I'm like Elijah Moore. Like I was all in Elijah Moore because I really believe in that talent. So the, these small guys for me, I actually don't know how short Wando Robinson is off the top of my head. Anyway, these smaller guys, if he fits this category, I need to see elite traits and elite ability. And I don't know if Wando is elite in anything. So now let's move on. Romeo Dubs. Um, he's lost draft capital. He was 61 preseason, which was surprising to me that he was second round grade to mid third, which is where I think is appropriate for him. Um, Dante Demas, he's probably the biggest riser or second biggest. 
Second biggest riser from Maryland. He's an older prospect. Uh, I want to say he was a Juco transfer as well. And he's been around for maybe four to five years. And he's also coming off a major injury. So I am very surprised that he's in. He's 94 overall. And now again, I put an asterisk next to it on my notes, which means that he is a small sample size guy. So I would bet against him getting that draft capital. And I also wouldn't pick him if he did. So whatever. Someone else can pick him up. Uh, Zay Flowers, the next one at 96. Zay Flowers has a pretty good following. Like People are big fans of Zay Flowers. I am probably going to write his profile next because I did not do one the past season. I'm not a fan. I think Zay Flowers is going to be a great wide receiver three for his team, whichever team he goes to. I think he has like really... I think he rounds the corner of his routes. I think his routes are clean, but he's really shifty. Like you see, like his when he's got like the yak ability. So like he's really shifty, which to me means that he has the ability to tighten up these routes. So not too worried about that. I don't like his hands. He body catches a ton, a ton, and he drops a lot of balls on out routes. Like he, I don't know. He like he only catches balls that are in between the hashes for a reason. Um, and then he doesn't have much contested catch ability. He's light. He's five eleven, and he weighs one eighty. Um, and without being really elite and much, he has he has the attributes that you can't teach speed, like the footwork. You really can't teach that. He's got it. Um, it's just the other stuff he has to clean up. Whatever. I just don't personally see the upside. He's probably gonna go in the second round of almost all your mock drafts. I believe he's gonna get day three, day two draft capital back at back end of of the third round. I'm just not a fan. But I, I believe he goes there. If you're a fan, that's fine. You can take that. You can take that. Uh, that that I won't. Not me. Um, Zay Flowers. Just said Zay Flowers. The last one is uh, Javon Hali. Whatever. I can't say it. He's not going to be in my rosters. Um, he reminds me a lot of Dax Milne from BYU. He got six round draft capital. He's nothing special. Um, trying to think about other guys that fit that category. I think he's a product of the system. I don't think he has any elite abilities. He just happened to be that quarterback's favorite target and he did really well and that's that's really it sorry that's all i gotta say for javon halai i don't have anything nice to say um and that's it so again there's only five guys here that lowered their draft capital and there's 12 that raised them in the offseason so once again i'm just trying to hammer home that this draft class has talent and looks good it's improved it's not what it was before but it, it looks good it really does um now I'm going to skip through tight ends. Everyone everyone who listens to me knows that I do not care about tight ends. Like It's just a gamble if they're going to hit or not. I'm seeing people talk about Irv Smith. You know, Irv Smith is six foot two. Go ahead and look at the height of like the top like tight ends in the league. They're all six foot five. The smallest one is like George Kittle, and he's six foot four and 245. I, I don't see anybody six foot two being even close to relevant right as a tight end. And people are like, oh, yeah, like all these Tyler Conklin targets are that's Irv Smith in the future. Like, no, it's not. I mean, we see Noah Font. I like Noah Font. Like, he's, but he's, he's a Noah Fart now. He sucks. It sucks, but he's not what we thought he was going to be. And I don't think he will be. Same with Irv Smith. I just don't see the, I don't see the upside. Like, he doesn't have the physical profile to me and, and physical profiles, I think, actually matter at the NFL level. They really do. Um, I just thought of like three reasons why that's false, like Devontae Smith. Okay, anyway, for the tight end, I believe in physical profiles, not for wide receivers as much. Um, I used to be, though, but Devontae Smith's proven that wrong. He really is. He's having a great season. Okay, so tight ends. Jalen Watermeyer, he was 20 overall going into the draft last year, which I was very surprised about. Um, well, preseason, 
this 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 year he's 43, which I'm also very surprised about because I really don't consider him. I don't consider a lot of these tight ends as six round or sorry second round draft capital type guys. Uh, I think some of them are going to be like third round for sure, but I'm not really too excited about this class. Anyway, Jalen Watermeyer to me, he's going to be the very athletic guy. He's kind of going to be I. He's going to be like Johnny Smith, where he's going to be very athletic. I think he's going to blow out the combine, and he'll definitely get some buzz for that. Uh, but not really too impressed with his gameplay. I don't know. I, I don't really do tight ends. I'm sorry. I really don't. Um, the next one is Trey McBride. Love Trey McBride. He actually has typical tight end size. Um, he was 110 overall, and now he's 46 overall. So early second, mid-second, around there. Um, like him, Jimmy Rucker. Jimmy Rucker goes to Ohio. He was 76. He's now 85. Um, if you look up Rutgers like highlight tape, it's fun. Very short. It's very short. It's like two minutes. And it's like all these one-handed catches. And Ohio State just doesn't throw it to the tight end. Um, so he doesn't really have the opportunity. I believe he's going to the senior bowl. I think almost all these tight ends are, honestly. And I like that's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun to watch. You're gonna see some reports about him, and I and I can't wait to hear more about him. Uh Cade Auden. I'm not about. He was 50 overall, and he's dropped to 102. So stay away. Barely in that third-round draft capital range. Uh, tight end for Washington. He's just been a ghost this year. He just, you know. Um, and then Isaiah Likely, who I do like, pun intended. Uh, he is... I missed it. He's also dropped, which I was surprised about, from 78 overall to 110. So he's actually outside third-round draft capital. I just wanted to give you five prospects that are like, you know, five of the top prospects in each category at like minimum. So that's why I threw him in there. Um, I like him. I don't have much more to say about it. I don't think he's a good blocker. Again, this is fantasy football though. So I really rather him just run out there and catch balls. Kind of like Mike Kosicki. Like Mike Kosicki doesn't block. He doesn't line up with the lineman. Um, and I think Isaiah likely could be that type of prospect as a tight end. Um, G5 guy too. I don't really have any data on G5 tight ends. I don't really look into tight ends again. I'm sorry. I'm sounding so negative about tight ends, but those are the five guys according to mock draft trends. Like these are the top five. So, I mean that that wraps up our episode for today. I and then like thanks to everyone for joining me. I really appreciate it. Um, any comments, questions, you can find me on Twitter. My DMs are open. I always respond because I'm not popular enough. So you know. Don't got a lot of attention, but I got your back. If you need help or my opinion, I'm always there. Um, now, once again, just to hammer this home, the mock draft trends, it's about guys before the season started to how the league and how analysts view them now after a full season. Also, COVID last year was a shortened season, so I think this is actually pretty important stuff. So, yeah, these are, these are your top prospects according to the industry. Um, Nothing to do with my stuff, not my rankings, not my bias. Um, I pointed out the players that have minimal data points. So again, take that with a grain of salt. That's not me just sneaking them in. That's that's me trying to be like these guys really aren't like being drafted, mock draft in that area. Um, yeah, that's it. Hey, thanks for joining me on Debbie Friday, brought to you by Tuesday. Um, if you're thinking, wow, Mike's ahead of the game today. No, I'm really behind. This is supposed to be from five days ago. So again, really appreciate you guys as my supporters. And, uh, I can't wait for the next Debbie Friday. And maybe, maybe I, maybe I do it on a Friday for once. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will. I don't even know what I'm going to do next week, actually. So I'm pretty excited about that. So I got no preview for you. 
Um, and then one more announcement too. Uh, we didn't tweet it out. We will tweet this out. Me and Jake will not be doing the Tuesday episodes for Dynasty. Um, just speaking from honesty here, me and Jake do great Dynasty work, um, but we really excel at this offseason stuff. Me and him have nailed our rookie picks. We we nail them every year. Um, and I, that's that's what we think we excel at is going from that transition from college to NFL. He's got his analytical model. I like to watch film. I put in the analytics too. We, we put them together and they get married. You know, I'm like a little kid with two dolls making them kiss. That's that's what me and Jake like to do. And that's that's where our passion is. It's not that we don't want to help you guys out during the season. We just think there's a lot of other people that do really great in season work. And they do a lot of that we don't really know for contributing that much, you know. And so we would like we really enjoy these rookie stuff. So we wanted to build the follower base, which is why we started midseason. But this is what we enjoy. I enjoy this college Devi and stuff like that. And he enjoys like the rookie profile stuff. So I got a little deep into it. He hasn't taken that dive yet. But that that's why what I'm saying is we will be we'll be back. We'll be back. We're going to be the best in the industry. We're going to do it. We're going to come in. We're going to we're going to tell you, hey, don't pick Josh Palmer. That guy didn't didn't catch more than 500 yards his entire career in college. And he's a contested catch guy. Like, don't pick Josh Palmer. That's a waste of space. And I know you're thinking, oh, the opportunity. Like, no, it's okay. You can let him go. Amari Rodgers can't separate in college. How is he going to separate in the NFL? And you know what? He ran the slot in college plenty and couldn't separate in the slot. Who can't separate in the slot? That's how the Patriots won like three Super Bowls. It's just slot guys. Anyway, me and Jake are here to tell you who to pick in your rookie drafts and don't make the mistake of picking up these clickbait guys because some guy with more followers than us is like, yeah, this guy's this guy is great. Like, yeah, all right, I don't want to start bashing other people's work. All right, but I just, don't get me going. Don't get me going. Anyway. Thanks for joining us, you guys. We're sorry about the in-season stuff. I'm going to continue the Debbie podcast for you guys because I really enjoy talking college football players going to the NFL. The CTC guys want me to get more about the freshmen. I really can't. I mean, I watch like high school tape, and I'm like, okay, this guy's a little bigger than most of the other high schoolers, and he's killing it. Like, you know, I, I can't do it. I'll get there, though. I will. But at the moment, the juniors and seniors are my bread and butter, and I love doing this stuff for you guys. So thanks again for joining us. Join us next Friday. Who knows what day of the week that'll be, but you can join us for the next Debbie Friday. All right, you guys have a good night.